Welcome to Mission Sunlight Chat from the Media Missionaries of Network 7 Media Center. We're glad that you have joined us. We are here in our World Headquarters studio located in Chattanooga, Tennessee in the United States of America. Wherever you are around the globe listening or watching, we welcome you. We're glad you're with us. My name is Christopher Beeson, and uh, next to me is Steve Dickman. We'll talk to Steve in a little bit more, uh, learn a little bit more about him in just a moment. Our director of production and engineering today just down the line is Jordan Wagner, and Jordan will be making sure things run smoothly, and he'll jump in uh, as uh, he chooses in there with his microphone. Mission Sunlight Chat is a nonprofit Christian media production. So if you'd like to know more, visit us at missionsunlight.org, or if you want to give, you can click Donate there. Thank you in advance for whatever you're led to give. Prayers, money, or any combination of these things, we're truly grateful for you. We appreciate whatever you would like to do for this work. Uh, just one more thing before we get into today's program. We need to grow. Uh, we want to touch more lives for Jesus. We want to share the story of Jesus. We want to spread the truth as it is in Jesus. So please, if you can't give your time, you can't give... Um, your prayers, you can't give monies. Would you please, please share the link to today's program with a friend or even an enemy. Uh, <laughs> post it on your social media, text it to a friend right now, even snail mail it if you want. Share Mission Sunlight Chat today. And thank you, thank you, thank you. As we begin the program, Stephen, we want to learn a little bit more about you. But before we do, would you have a prayer for us? Absolutely. Father in heaven, we come to you today as the giver of life and all good things, and even our trials and tribulations. Today we are grateful for the opportunity to talk together. May this program be a blessing to someone who is watching today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, as I said before, Steve Dickman is with us. Um, Steve, I've known you across uh, many different ministry platforms. Um, Share with us uh, a little bit about what you're doing now, what you're doing today. I'm serving as president for Outpost Centers International. That's uh, one of my primary jobs. I'm also serving as president for Harbor Hills Academy in Savannah, Tennessee, which is kind of my history. Okay. So I'm carrying those two main responsibilities right now. We'll come to Harbor Hills. Um, I think the the connected the the, the full name is uh, the foundation. Yeah, Rural Life Foundation. Okay, mm -hmm. you're responsible for that, which mm -hmm. is a pretty broad place. We'll talk a bit <laughs> a about that as we go on. A few things going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, tell me about your family, your kids. I know you have some grandkids. Tell me about your ministry, just uh, what, things you like to do in life every day. Just uh, let our audience know a little bit more about you. Yeah, so I have uh, two children, two daughters, mm -hmm. both grown and married, mm -hmm. and on their own in different parts of the world. And Can you so, say where those are? Yeah, yeah. So my oldest daughter, Heather, is married to Jared Hoeing, and two children, Stephen and Daniel, and they're in the Philippines. They just okay. launched to serve with Pamas as a uh, aviation ministry there in the Philippines, and uh, Heather's husband, Jared, is a helicopter pilot. He's flying for them there in the uh, regions uh, of Philippines. And as we record this, Palmas has had a uh, a challenging year. Yes, it and, has. And uh, mm -hmm. I want to remind our viewers to be in prayer for them, and especially for this uh, new opportunity of mi ministry and missionary service uh, for Heather and Daniel. Jer Jared. Jared. Mm -hmm. Daniel was the grandson. Stephen and Daniel, grandsons. Yeah, yeah. I like that one of them's name Stephen, too, right? There you go. <laughs> My other daughter, Julia, and her husband, Rylan, 
Julie is a nurse. He is a computer technician, uh, computer um, online specialist that helps people from, so he can work from home. Mm-hmm. They're in Walla Walla, Washington. She's a nurse there. Okay. And uh, no grandkids there? No grandkids there yet. So two grandkids. Mm-hmm. That's what I have too. But this year I'm going to have two more, so I'm going okay. to take you. Um, uh, we, w- my wife, Rebecca, and I are quite excited to be uh, growing that addition in our, our family. They're a lot of fun, aren't they? They're a lot of fun, and it's uh, a little challenging when they're halfway around the world, but God is good. He's given us uh, communication tools at least today. I, I was just going to say, I've seen you with a few of your uh, grandchildren, or with your grandchildren, a couple of your grandkids, and, and um, I know you enjoy spending time with them. It's going to be tough to have them way over there. You're going to find a reason to visit the Philippines. I maybe. am. <laughs> I'm looking for every reason to visit the Philippines, and uh, by God's grace, we'll, we'll be over there some. Your wife, Brenda? Yeah, she is uh, uh, serving as girls dean at Harbert Hills Academy, and uh, we've been in ministry there for 32 years. And so she has done a number of years as assistant dean and then dean, English teaching, music, a whole variety of things. As in most ministry settings, you know there's not just one hat for you to wear. Mm -hmm. You wear many hats, and uh, so, yeah, we're still uh, carrying on the work there at Harbert Hills. So you said you had two daughters, but as a girl's dean, you have a lot more than two daughters. <laughs> I've got 30 of them upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. that's a good life. Um, hobbies. I, I know you stay super busy, so I'm trying to figure out, does he have any fun? Um, I, I enjoy a lot of things in life. Um, when I was growing up, I learned a lot of skills because I attended a school, Harbert Hills Academy, where... A lot of practical things. So I really enjoy working with my hands, building things, and I enjoy gardening. Don't have much time for either of those things at this point in my life, but I do enjoy them. And um, when I have time, it's a relaxation to get involved in those things. What do you like to build? I like you have, wood. An, you have an engineering background. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk so, about that a bit in a minute. But yeah. um, I like with uh, working with wood for one thing. Mm-hmm. My father was kind of a woodworker kind of person, and he taught me those skills. So I enjoy that. Like I said, I don't have a lot of time for it, but when I do, it's always uh, a, a joy to take a few minutes and, and build something, um, whatever it is. And yeah, Don't I remember uh, there was some history, um, maybe they still do this, at Harvard Hills where they were making, uh, uh, in the wood shop, they were making pins. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Do you still do that kind of thing? Yeah, the the woodworking class makes a whole variety of projects during the year, depending on the year, depending on the students, what their interest is, and so. And tell us what they make. Well, they uh, they may make a piece of furniture, mm-hmm. uh, or they may make something like a pen, turning on a lathe. Uh, they, of course, they can do usually multiple projects during the year. Uh, we teach those kind of classes on Friday, so they have a three and a half hour block where they're dedicated to that each Friday, whichever class they choose. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's woodworking or auto mechanics or medical missionary or radio broadcasting, whatever it is, they have some intensive time to to work on different kinds of projects. So yeah. Um, do you get to teach any of those? Well, I used to, <laughs> but now unfortunately I'm not in the teaching uh, uh, arena anymore just because of my duties so okay all right so you're the president of outpost centers international now what does that mean what do you do what do you not do (laughs) well we're a small organization when i say a small organization 
staff-wise, we're a small organization. But we cover about 75 countries, and it'll soon be 280 ministries scattered across about 75 countries. So it's uh, a lot of work is in the field. We're doing um, OCI events around the world this year. We'll probably have 15 events, different events, different parts of the world. The goal is to inspire lay people to do something. Mm-hmm. We believe, um, in fact, a vision of Outpost Centers International is that there would be a thriving network of lay-led ministries in every country of the world. So think about that for a minute. You travel. Mm-hmm. How many countries? About 235 or so, depending who you ask. I learned of a new country the other day. Oh, what's that? By the way, it's um, within the country of Georgia. There is another country that exists there, and I can't remember the name of it. But it, it, I said, is this another country? And they said, yeah, it's a different country. And I said, but it's in Georgia. Yeah, but it's in Georgia, but it's a, they consider it actually themselves to be a different country. I'm headed to Georgia this fall. I'll have to okay. look for that. And yeah, I don't yeah. mean south of Tennessee. Right. <laughs> this is the Georgia on the other side of the world. Although south of here, Georgia is another country, but that's <laughs> another discussion another time. So, yeah, but we believe um, that the lay people have a vital part to play in helping to get the gospel to the world. Mm-hmm. Every nation, kindred, tongue, people. And and when we think of nations, the 235 number is an easy number. And so when I began to think about this and the challenges of trying to accomplish this vision, began to study this, I realized that 235, well, we just got, you know, maybe Seventh-day Adventists have a presence in like 212 countries. But 23, that should be easy. Let's just make a list of the 23 countries and figure out how to get somebody there and do something. But then I began to realize that within each country, there are multiple people groups. And worldwide, they estimate there's probably 16,000 people groups. And we as a Seventh-day Adventist church have a a presence in less than 1,000 of those 16,000 people Mm. groups. So it takes you to a whole different understanding when you recognize that. And how do we, how do we address that? Um, we as a church, as a Seventh-day Adventist church, have been working on it for a number of years, taking the gospel to the world. And Ellen White makes this statement. She says, the noblest aim that any young person can have today, and I, you know, young is a uh, number, right? So I consider myself still to be young even though I probably wouldn't fit in anybody's chart of age-related youngness, I consider myself to be young. And so the noblest aim that we can have is to take the gospel to the world in this generation. Mm -hmm. So when you think of that, it's humanly impossible. So I say praise God that it's humanly impossible because that means that God is going to have to show up and he's going to have to do some things to us, through us, and for us that we have no power to do on our own. Human beings, when this happens, human beings are not going to get the glory because it can't be done, humanly speaking. It's going to have to be a God thing, and I'm looking forward to being a part of that uh, journey when God shows up and the power of the Holy Spirit falls and we as a church and as lay people and as God's children recognize our calling to take the gospel to the world in this generation. Amen. And... um I think it's important for people to pick up on your comment that we're talking about everyday lay people. Right. We're, we're not talking about some uh, theologically ministry trained lay people. 
anybody can serve mm-hmm. Jesus today in in various capacities that he can lay on them. It's it's interesting. If you look at the population of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we have about 22 million members worldwide, about 22,000 pastors out of those 22 million members. So 0.1%, 99.9% of our church is lay people. Mm-hmm. That's where the power mm-hmm. is. That's where things can happen on a scale that can be dynamic and impacting the world. The 22,000 pastors... We love pastors. They're great people. They have a function and a role. But for them to do it by themselves, not logical. We need all, everyone, to engage it, whatever God's calling them to do. Amen. Yeah. Wow. We're going to keep talking with uh, Steve, but we are going to take a break first here um, for just 60 seconds or so. Just a reminder, missionsunlight.org is a place where you can learn more, and you may decide you want to give there too. Please share the link to today's program or the entire show podcast platform with a friend by text, social media, or even by email. Take a moment right now during the break and share it with someone. We'll be back with more Mission Sunlight Chat. Our salvation is a day-to-day matter, isn't it? The real principle of the Sabbath is re connecting ourselves with the Creator. We must learn to abide in Jesus now. We move ahead with our mission objectives, recognizing that we are serving together the Most High God. Welcome back to Mission Sunlight Chat. Our guest today, Steve Dickman, uh, president of Outpost Centers International, OCI. Uh, Steve, you talked about what you're doing presently, a little bit about your family, um, who you are, things you enjoy. Tell us how you got here, um, about growing up. (laughs) You mentioned, not only are you president of Harbert Hills, but you also mentioned a moment ago that you were a student at Harbert Hills. So that's got to be an interesting story. Tell us a bit about those influences in your journey. So both of my parents attended Madison College. And for those who have any acquaintance with the Madison College that we know Mm -hmm. in Madison, Tennessee, established by Ellen White in 1904 and a team of uh, lay people, Percy uh, McGann and E.A. Sutherland, really helped to spark plug the work of Madison in in the late 40s, my parents came to attend Madison College. My father came from California. My mother came from uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, and, and Madison was their education. Mm-hmm. And because of what they received there and what Madison was, Madison was a call to ministry at, at every level. Their chapel services, their worship programs, their classes were centered on helping prepare lay people to go out and do mission, whether it was teachers or, um, you know, biologists or accountants or whatever it was. They were teaching people to go out and do mission. So both of my parents responded to a call to help start a new unit. They called it a unit of Madison. So the units were started by a staff member or some students that got together and said, let's go start something new. 
So they decided to start a new school. And they decided to start it in a place in Tennessee where there was no Seventh-day Adventist worker presence. Savannah, Tennessee, surrounding that area were nine counties, no Seventh-day Adventist work going on. Mm -hmm. So they said, let's go there. Let's start something there. And so they decided to start a school. The papers were signed in 1951, 72 years ago, to start the corporation that began the work there. My parents um, had volunteered early on as part of the team, but because of schoolwork and my father spent some time in, uh, in a special duty from the U.S. government in the Army, <laughs> not voluntarily, but uh, requested his presence, and he mm-hmm. showed up and spent some time in Korea there. And, um, but anyway, came back, finished his work at Madison, and took a master's degree at Peabody, and then came to Harvard Hills in 1956. In 1957, I was born there. So I was born in ministry. So that's my background. Um, It wasn't something I decided necessarily, but I was there. I grew up in this environment. It was kind of became a part of my DNA. I didn't realize that when I left Harvard Hills as a graduating senior, having attended all 12 grades of my elementary and, and academy years there. I I didn't really realize that. I didn't realize totally the heritage that had been, uh, was a part of who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I took a degree in engineering. I worked in the engineering field for about 10 and a half years. During the last few years of that career, I just became increasingly aware that God had something to do for me, something for me to do that was not necessarily aligned with my current career path. And so we were seeking for what God would have us do. And we thought, well, maybe we would be part of the ADRA team somewhere in the world and help develop resources for underserved populations of the world. But Mm -hmm. that wasn't God's plan. So I was called uh, by Harbert Hills and asked if I would come back as principal. So an engineer with really not any education experience, except for I grew up there. And uh, so I, I kind of inherited that. Uh, component and uh, became a part of Harvard Hills Academy in 1991 and have served there since then. That is a great heritage to be able to share. And you had uh, the opportunity to share that uh, with your parents as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, right. Um, your father being the, was he president? Before yeah, he that? was He was president um, of the institution, not from the beginning. The founder, William E. Patterson, um, was there in the beginning as president. But early on when my folks came, they asked him to serve as as a leader for the institution. And he went to Madison and served as principal of the academy there for two years. So I lived on the Madison campus for two years, but it was before I could really remember much. Mm-hmm. So I was just young, mm-hmm. but I lived there with my parents on the campus while my father was um, principal of Madison Academy. And then... They recognized that if Harvard Hills was going to continue to thrive, they needed to have my father back at Harvard Hills. So they called him to come back, and uh, we stayed there then. Uh, that was kind of our journey for the family. Mm-hmm. Um, any particular experiences that you say um, have shaped your uh, ministry experience from the past uh, along your journey? Yeah, I'd say there's a few that have have really been probably instrumental. When I was in high school, uh, you know, I made my decision to 
be a Christian, to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian at a pretty young age. I think I was 10 or 12. Uh, I was baptized. But at the, it comes a time when you have to really think that through as, as you're growing up. And I think I was probably 16 or 17 uh, in that neighborhood when it became clear to me, look, you can choose some different paths in life if you want to. I said, you know, the path I want is I want to stay on God's path. And so I chose that for myself more, I say more completely or permanently at that point as more of an adult thinking, even though I'm not sure we all think as adults even now. <laughs> we, we probably revert sometimes to our childish thoughts. But, you know, I, I chose that for myself and said, yes, this is going to be my path and mm-hmm. I'm going to stay on this path. And so God used that. Um, kind of an aha moment. Then. Yeah, yeah, a, a moment there. And probably some influence in that was when I was 16, my brother was 18, almost 18. Uh, we we were very entrepreneurial in nature, had had our own, uh, earned our own money and kept, you know, kept business going, you might say, on the side, aside from what we were doing in school. And we had a lawn mowing business. And so we were traveling to mow lawns, and there, we had an accident. My brother was thrown out of the vehicle and ended up paralyzed. And so things like that, when they happen to you as a young person, they affect your journey. Mm-hmm. And so it was a time when I had to reevaluate a lot of things, say, wow, this is not the way we plan things. This is not our thought process. How will this be used by God? How will I choose to relate to this? Mm-hmm. Because... In this world, we're going to have difficulties. We're going to have challenges. That's not the question. The question is, how do we relate to those things? How do you respond? You know, I can choose to respond and say, okay, God, I don't like this, but I'm responding by saying, I'm going to stay on this journey with you even though I don't like my current circumstance. And so, yeah, I think things like that. My father's influence was also very powerful because he, he lived a life of service to God and to other people. When you're in institutional work, for some of you who know that or understand that, you know that's not easy kind of work. And you have to get up early and go to bed late and understand that what you're doing is not for your own benefits, for the benefit of others. And so my father had this saying. He said, real happiness is found in unselfish service for other people. When you're doing service for other people mm-hmm. without trying to get anything in return, mm-hmm. that's where you find true joy. Mm. I don't think I fully realized the impact that had on my life till later when I personally got involved in that kind of service. You know, when you're working in the engineering world and you're getting a paycheck for what you do and you show up on time and you leave on time and you do your work to the best of your ability, that's one thing. But when you show up and everything is centered around ministry and it's in a, a kind of a sacrificial setting mm-hmm. it, it it teaches you some things you may not have really understood before and so the the joy of serving um again to me it's a privilege to be able to serve god and to be able to um, you know have be used by god to reach other people amen um I want to mention uh, your brother Randall that was injured in the accident. Yeah. Um, he's an incredible example to us about perseverance. Oh yes, yes. Because he didn't just say, "Okay, I'm 
correct me if I'm wrong, quadriplegic? Yeah, quad, yeah. Yeah, he didn't just say, well, I can't do anything. I no, have he use went of my arms and legs, oh, oh well. He went on to finish his high school education. He finished a college degree, became a nursing home administrator, mm-hmm. and carried that load for years in a, in a way that was uh, anybody that came in contact with him would walk away with, wow. Yeah. What do I complain about? You That's know, what I was going to say he, is he was a wow guy. Yeah. You know, <sighs> this guy gets up in the morning. The rest of us get out of bed and maybe our foot hurts or something. You know, but when you have that kind of setting and, and getting up is a whole journey. And then the wheelchair experience that you have every day mm-hmm. where you're confined to a wheelchair and other people have to serve you. But yet you're serving other people at the same time. You know, that's a journey. And to do that with grace and dignity, you know, yeah, it's, he's, he was an example to a lot of people. I want to jump down to Jordan down there. Jordan has uh, experienced the Harvard Hills campus and uh, the ASI and OCI experience as well. Jordan, I just wonder if you have anything you want to toss in with a thought or comment or a question even for Steve um, as we've talked here. I just, I think it's a, I've enjoyed my time as I've been on the campus and being around the students and seeing the program that they've done there. Um, you started a, a video program recently too, didn't you? Yes. We we have a media program on our campus uh-huh. and you'll have to come over and give us some clues on this kind of setup. We're not quite to this level yet, but we'd like to be in a studio setting. We're working on that. For our listeners, they can't see where we are, and our viewers are probably wondering what in the world. We're in a five-foot by nine-foot space, this small studio in the basement of of, uh, our home here, and um, we're we're blessed with the best technology to do this. Right, and so, but anyway, the Lord has blessed us there. We have a radio station on the campus where we broadcast 50,000 watts of power across West Tennessee, North Mississippi, North Alabama, reaching out to individuals to connect them with Christ and to give them a revelation of who Jesus is. So we, it's all religious programming. We use the Life Talk stream as our foundation, and we add to that. And students get to learn and experience that environment, working in a radio station mm-hmm. and being taught radio broadcasting. Now we've added a TV station to the campus. We have a television station there where we broadcast uh, four different channels, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the students get a class in media if they choose. And we also broadcast live our chapel services. Our Vesper programs and Sabbath services are more of our standard broadcast there that we go live with. I think the last time Jordan's referencing, um, the last time we were visiting, you had this um, shell of a space it almost felt mm-hmm. like an old barn that you yeah. I mean, it was part of the building but it just felt like you'd been casting off things and storing things in it and then you were going to renovate it now that's all done no it's not all done yet okay. so you can come help us finish that project <laughs> Jordan love to have your input there but uh, thanks for bringing it up Jordan yeah exactly <laughs> um, but we're on this journey to finish that space we've got it all cleaned out now and we're ready to start building things in there and <clears throat> it will be again a training space for young people. You know, the world today, as you well know, is a lot of media happening. Mm-hmm. And to be in that space with something to say that is wholesome, that is centered on the truth of God's Word, is kind of, a, um, it's significant to me because in general, if you go to uh, these media channels, much of it is not 
biblically centered and it's not really very uplifting, a lot of the media of the world. So we have an opportunity to impact that space and to train young people to impact it. Amen. Uh, Stephen, I want to ask you uh, some more questions, but we're going to take a break. Um, We hope that uh, our viewers have been encouraged and blessed by listening to the program today. We have more to come, but we need to take a break. So remember, you can give at missionsunlight.org, and you can share this program with anyone right now. Thanks for doing both or either. We'll be back with more Mission Sunlight Chat. Welcome back to Mission Sunlight Chat. Our guest, Steve Dickman from OCI and other ministries far and wide around the globe and close by. Um, truth is, OCI is just maybe, what, two, three miles here from yeah, our campus. Yeah, it's like a five-minute, six-minute drive over here. Yeah, just <clears throat> over the mountain the way the crow yeah. flies. We once lost a drone over your property, but that's another story. <laughs> okay. Oh. Oh. Uh. Maybe it's out there helping somebody somewhere, somehow. Uh, Tell me, um, where are you going? What's next for Steve Dickman? What's next maybe for the ministries or your family? Just um, tell us some of your hopes and dreams for the future. Yeah, thank you, uh, Christopher, for asking about that. I think it's significant that each one of us have something we're thinking about for the future. Mm -hmm. Rather than just existing in the current time and taking what comes our way, to actually say, there are goals and dreams beyond maybe where we are right now. And as I think about it on a personal level, um, I have had time to reflect some on my life because uh, if you can calculate time correctly, um, I just turned 66. And so I think about, well, how much longer is this journey? And it could be short or it could be longer by God's grace. I'm still alive and in good health, and I can Amen. go forward with God's work, I feel like, okay? But in a personal sense, what does that mean for each of us? To me, it's about uncovering God's calling and making sure that I stay as best I can in the center of his will. Um, there are a lot of challenges we face individually each day, but to you know, get up every morning and say, Lord, what I want to do today is stay in the middle of your will. I want to be where you want me to be. I mm-hmm. want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to be off straying somewhere. And sometimes God gives a corrective course. Uh, it was not necessarily my plan to serve in some of the roles I've served. But when God calls, sometimes he opens a door for us and we have a choice to make. We can choose to move forward, even though it's a challenging situation. We're not sure about the future. The present may be comfortable, but God has given me personally a promise. I found it in Isaiah chapter 40, and he says, I'm going to give you strength. 
I'm going to give you wings like eagles. And this is just kind of my paraphrase. Mm -hmm. Young men may fall down and get weary, but those who wait on the Lord, I'm going to renew their strength. And they're going to be able to walk and run even when others are weary. So to me, that's a promise that God has given to me personally. And so when I face challenging situations, I claim that promise. I say, God, you said (laughs) you're going to give me strength. And um, you're going to give me what I need to move forward. And so for me, that's the personal journey I'm on. I want to stay where God wants me to be, even if it's a challenging situation, and allow him to do what he can do. You know, uh, Ellen White makes another very interesting statement. Basically, she says, if we'll set ourselves aside, there's no limit to what God can do with us. Mm. I say, God, I I don't know what you can do, but whatever it is, please do it. You know, and, and let me be willing to let you do it. So if there's no limit, what does that mean? It means anything. God can do anything with us poor human beings who, I I often think of it this way. Crackpots. When when I was born, I didn't have anything. I didn't have clothes on. I I came into this world naked. I'm going out naked, well, so to speak. They'll probably dress me up in a suit maybe on a good day and put me in a casket, bury me somewhere, you know, but... I didn't come in with anything. I'm not going out with anything. What's my job while I'm here? It's to be a good steward. Mm-hmm. If God has given me talents, time, energy, whatever he's given me, I need to use those things for him because now is the time. When I die, somebody else will use the stuff I've got. So I should dedicate it to God's cause now, whether that's strength, time, energy, whatever it is. Fully dedicated to God's cause is my desire. My, that's my heart's desire. Now, talk about ministry. Wow. What an opportunity. I work for an organization that's scattered around the world with 75 countries and 280 ministries now almost. And and what do you do with that idea? How do you say you're going to do something in that context? So I have to kind of confine my energy sometimes and because you become aware of all kinds of needs. I was just visiting a country last week that is one of those closed countries of the world. And it's a very difficult country to get into. It's a very difficult country to live in. It's a very difficult country to do ministry in. In fact, almost impossible to do ministry there. What do you do with that? When God sets before you that information, that opportunity to go there and learn about that, can you come home and be the same person? Mm. Yeah, I, I haven't found that possible. No. So I, I travel, I go these places, I learn about needs, and I come home, and And it seems like God says, okay, I want you to do something with this. So what do I do with it then? So I take that and say, okay, how can we start something here? And I can't start things all over the world, but there are people. In fact, Christopher, there may be somebody watching today who says, you know, God's working on my heart. And I feel like he's calling me to do something, but I really don't know what. I would say to that person, keep praying because God will show you. God will open a door. He will show you but you have to be willing to move into it, step forward into some of those challenges. Mm-hmm. So um, from a ministry setting, the vision that Outpost Centers International has is to have a thriving network of lay ministries in every country of the world. Mm-hmm. I doubt that I can accomplish that. I know I can't accomplish it. In my lifetime, in my service time to this organization, I would be amazed if we could see that, but probably not. But to say there's something bigger than me is a good thing. It's not something I can do. 
It's not something, okay, we got two countries on the list and we're going to go do those and mark it down that we did something. No, mm-hmm. we've got every country in the world on our list. And as God provides and opens doors there, we want to in, in, inspire work to be done in those countries. Okay. Uh, you've almost answered my next question with these things you've just shared, but <clears throat> maybe you'd like to um, galvanize it down to just a few simple thoughts. What would you just say to someone who's just going through everyday struggles or perhaps someone who's struggling with an answer to the call? I would say read your Bible, but read it in a personal sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to read the Bible. I mean, we can open up. We've got it on our phone. We've got it in our bookcases. We've got it in our briefcases. We've got our Bibles everywhere, right? And we can access those in different ways. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I get the verse of the day on my phone. I get the devotional on my phone. But sit down with God's word and have a conversation with him, a real conversation, and read his word. Allow him to speak to you through his word. I think of texts like Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, where Isaiah was struggling with this. God was giving a call, and he was saying, who can we find to go? Mm. And his answer was, here am I, send me. So Jeremiah, I mean, Isaiah's answer, Isaiah's answer to this call was, here am I, send me. Well, what is my answer personally? I was recently, in the last few months, I was in the country of Israel. Mm -hmm. And I didn't ever expect to go there, but I went there to do some things for OCI. And while I was there, we went down by the Sea of Galilee. And I was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And what I was imagining in my mind is what would this have looked like 2,000 years ago? And what if I was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus came by and said, leave it all behind? You know, Peter and, Peter and his friends said what? They didn't say, well let us go sell the boat. Mm -hmm. It says they got up and followed Jesus. They left it behind. I was able to go in the city of Capernaum. Matthew, imagine Matthew sitting at his tax booth there. He's collecting taxes and Jesus comes by and says, follow me. Mm -hmm. He gets up, he leaves it behind, and he goes forward. So God calls in interesting ways. If we're struggling sometimes with a decision, I personally have found it to be many times I'm worried about things that I can't solve anyway. We're thinking about our future and our life and, well, what if I do this or what if I take this step? Listen, God's got all this in control. And if we follow his plan, we're going to be happier in the end anyway. Yeah. So, friends, if you're facing a challenge and God may be working on your heart and he may be calling you and saying, I need you. I need you in my service. You've got some talents that I want to see used for spreading the gospel around the world. I would invite you to step into that. Instead of hesitating, step into it. Read God's word. Claim his promises. Allow him to speak to you personally. Put your name in those promises. Amen. They are powerful. I mean, just think of this. I will never leave you or forsake you. I mean, that's amazing, right? He's always with us. In our difficulties of life, to be able to say, I have a God who is here. He's not next door. He's not in some other universe. He's here. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. 
to me, it's powerful. I mean, we've all had our challenges in life, right? Difficulties and things that are tough and we're weeping and we're crying and we're crying out to God, change this situation, deliver me from it. God says, I'm with you. I'm never leaving you. I'm not forsaking you. I haven't forsaken you yet. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm still here. Let's keep this journey going together. So by God's grace, friends, let's keep the journey going together. Allow God to use us and to speak to us and to guide us step by step because he has a plan. Amen. And we may not understand it, but he has a plan. Steve, thank you. Thanks for sharing your time and your experience and your testimony today. God is indeed good, isn't he? Amen. Well, that is today's program. We're going to have a word of prayer and then just some closing thoughts. Let's pray together. Father, as we um, have shared and heard this testimony, Lord, I want to pray for those who are watching and listening right now, uh, wherever they are on planet Earth. Um, as they're hearing encouragement and uh, they're maybe relating um, or maybe maybe they don't hear anything, but for some reason they've been drawn to this podcast and they're seeking whatever it is you want to teach them. Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will enter in, encourage them, and help them to find their journey with Jesus. Yes, amen. Um, thank you for the time with Steve and for his incredible busyness. His, his focus remains on serving you. So I just ask that you will strengthen him and Brenda and his family and his uh, colleagues and whatever aspect of ministry you place him in. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Please continue to be with Jordan and I and our team with Network 7 Media Center and Amen. the production of this podcast, Mission Sunlight Chat, that it will be to your honor and glory and yours alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening. This has been Mission Sunlight Chat. Our guest, Steve Dickman. I'm Christopher Beeson, your host and today's engineer, our director of production, Director Jordan Wagner. We thank you for joining us. And we thank you for sharing our show with your friends via text, email, and on your social media platforms. We also thank you for your gifts. And most of all, we thank you for your prayers, especially, especially your prayers. That's all today from our studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee. This is Mission Sunlight Chat. <laughs>